Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Ewing Bang Podcast. Just wanted to give you a friendly reminder before we get started that our next episode will be a movie review about Wonder Woman. And now, some GSW hoops. Two remaining, and now Golden State can dribble it out. There it is, redemption for Golden State. One of the great playoff runs of all time is complete. What's going on, Wang Bangers? Thank you for tuning in to the third episode of the Warriors Wang Bang Wednesday. This is your host, Emil Wang, a.k.a. the former backup point guard of the Golden State Warriors. I'm joined once again by my very good friend, Genio James Liao. How's it going, man? What's up, dude? Feels good to already have predicted the outcome of the finals. So, you know, not that I want to gloat or anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was really hoping that my Ford bold move uh, <laughs> sweep would have uh, would have come through, but I think your slightly more conservative four four to one approach uh, was probably a little more, a little more reasonable in hindsight. Yeah, I think taking into account just a hot shooting game from the Cavs, I thought it was going to play out like last year where we we go up three one, you know, after winning game four. So. Right. I thought they were going to come out gangbusters in Game Three. I mean, they played well, uh, but you know, Game Four is just you know, I don't. I already forgot what that game is about. So, <laughs> yeah. And before we get into our our thoughts and feelings on the MB, on you know on the Warriors clinching the NBA Finals and and the championship, I uh, just wanted to touch on the the main storylines of each of the games, starting with Game Three. Cavs started out. Really good. Warriors kept it close with Kevin Durant's great shooting, great playmaking. Uh, but still in the end, despite not scoring, you know, the last three minutes and 30 seconds or whatever, the Cavs still had some really good chances to win the game. Um, we'll start with that LeBron play. Uh, Warriors are uh, – the Cavs were still up two at that point with maybe about a minute left. Uh, Cavs called timeout uh, off the inbound. LeBron has a great drive and dishes it out to the corner where Kyle Korver has a pretty wide open shot that he bricks. Kevin Durant gets that rebound, hits the three. Warriors up one with about 40 seconds left. So I want to talk about that because LeBron gets a lot of flack for making that pass. A lot of haters are saying, you know, that that's why he's he's never going to be one of the greatest. He didn't have that killer instinct. He didn't have the attitude of, you know, if you want to do it right, you do it yourself. You know, why is he passing in that situation? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, this is like kind of what happens when you have too many days off in between games. <laughs> and people just start talking about all this stupid crap. Like, this is like, I just, I don't understand why people talked about this. I, how is this a discussion? Kyle Corver had a great look. I mean, the guy shoots almost 50% from the corners. I just don't understand how that could be a better shot than potentially a Draymond contested two-pointer from LeBron. I just don't understand. Yes, Steph got there in time uh, to contest it a little bit, but that's a that's a no-brainer shot. That's a no-brainer pass and no-brainer uh, decision for LeBron, dude. Yeah, and to think that you know Jordan also passed the ball up in his the in the in critical moments. You know, John Paxson, Steve Kerr. You know, yeah, they all hit game he, winners, dude. Yeah. 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 These are guys that hit daggers. So it's 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 silly that you know basketball fans and 
granted, I think these are your casual basketball fans who don't really understand the for the don't understand the sport and just want to hate on LeBron that are saying you know he should have gone up gone up with it himself. Um, so I want to talk about the play that ensued after the Kevin Durant three. Kyrie comes back down with about 35 seconds left, I think, uh, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was like um, mid 30s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyrone Lue, I, I don't know if he was out of timeouts or he had no, uh, maybe one left, but he decides not to call timeout. And Kyrie is left, you know, in isolation on the wing, the same place he was in Game Seven against Steph Curry, except this time he's got Clay Thompson on him. And a couple things to denote here, you know, Kyrie's in his 44th minute of that game. I think Clay Thompson probably in his, you know, late 30s or so yeah, in, in terms of minutes played. I think it was like 39 or – I think Clay ended with uh, – let me pull up the box score uh, – 40 minutes played. So that was 39 minutes in. So he – I mean, these guys, we weren't super fresh either. But, I mean, you knew that from a defensive standpoint, Clay was going to be there regardless. So – Right, right. So Kyrie, a tired Kyrie, dribbles it out for literally the whole shot clock and with, I think, 12 seconds or something, you know, takes that step back three that he made in that 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 was that dagger in game seven of last year. Misses it. Warriors get the rebound. uh, We get fouled. Hit two free throws. So let's talk about that play. Uh, Kyrie's getting a lot of flack for taking that shot. I personally didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, you know, he's as a hero for making that shot last year. Nothing wrong with him taking that shot. I think the real problem is not being aware and going for the two for one. Because if you if you go for the two for one, shoot it with 35 seconds less left and miss it, you still have the opportunity to play defense. You don't have to foul immediately. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no problem. I don't think people really had problems with the shot. I mean, it was a really tough shot. I mean, I think Kyrie could have gotten a better shot, but I think you were right in that he was just probably exhausted. He just cre- couldn't create separation from Clay to get to the basket. I think ideally that's what you know he was looking to do when he was making moves initially, but I think it's just like he ran out of gas and just had no legs, or I don't know what it was, but he couldn't get past Clay. So then he settled for this step back three. I have no problem with that shot if I'm the Cavs. Like he's made that shot, uh, but it's the clock management. You know, just horrendous. Like, I just don't understand. And you know, what, what's even worse is after that, the Warriors got the ball and they were dribbling it up. And they didn't foul right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember I was that. like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Like, we're literally standing there. And then Draymond even got the ball for like two seconds. Yeah. And, then, and that was the guy you want to foul. but he was, Yeah, that's you know, the guy you got to foul. Like, how do you not foul him? Like, it's just like so many mistakes down the down the stretch like they shot themselves in the foot and they had a chance like they yes they blew the lead but they absolutely had a shot down the stretch and they just absolutely blew it like it's just ridiculous so many we're just dribble trying to dribble off the clock like kd had the ball and then steph had it and then like he passed it to draymond draymond had it for like a second and he passed it to kd and then kyle Corver went up to kd and like tried to defend him and then ty Lu was like dude you gotta foul him like there's no time left and then by that time there's already like 14 or however many seconds left. And I'm like, dude, you wasted like like 10 to like 12 seconds of game time. Right. That should be immediate foul. Because Kyrie walked, he burned the whole clock down. So that should be an immediate foul. Yeah. I mean, I I guess it's easy for us to Monday morning quarterback, but honestly, I'm I'm a little surprised that. No, but you have to. 
you have to have that awareness. So somebody has on the team has to have that awareness. Like you can't just wait for that. And it's like if you as soon as you notice the steal is not there, you have to just go for go and foul. You're down one. You don't have to lead. You're down. And then in the final possession, your Warriors up three with a couple seconds left. Cavs inbound from the sideline to LeBron in the corner who gets stripped by Iggy. And nothing nothing much we can say about that other than, hey, he's a great defender. We've seen him do it over and over. He did it to Durant last year in uh, in the Western Conference Finals. The guy is an yeah, elite the defender. Times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's amazing. And I, I don't think we really need to go into that. I think Iggy... You know, Iggy's play speaks for itself. Nobody's nobody questions if that was a foul or not. Uh, he no. did get kicked in the nuts, though. That was kind of funny how uh, nobody really talked about that. Well, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, if it's not Draymond, they're not going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so going on to Game Four, Cavs get hot, drop forty nine in the first quarter. I mean, there's really nothing to talk about that game. Officiating sucked. But the Warriors were not going to win that game. This this was the game that you had expected from the Cavs. It just wasn't in Game Three. It was in Game Four. Well, I mean, to be to be fair, I didn't expect like twenty five bajillion threes from the Cavs. You know, I didn't right. expect that. But yeah. you know, I expect them to come out hot, uh, but not record setting pace. But I mean, that's basically what it took to beat us. Like, right. if you remember near the end of uh, the beginning of the fourth quarter where uh, LeBron was resting, like, we got it down to 11 yeah. with, like, 10 minutes left. Like, can you – that's that's the crazy part. It's like, dude, you they miss a couple of threes. We would have been, like, down five or something at that point. That could have been anybody game. Like, and they were making ridiculous shots. So it took every single one of those for them to, like, actually beat us because if mm-hmm. they made just two or three less, we would have had a shot at the end. Yeah, but that's the Cavs, right? I mean, you know, that's what we expected in in a five game series. You know, there was one game that they were going to go off. You counted for that, and I was hoping that the Warriors would just be able to outgun them. But really, there's nothing to talk about that game. Um, when I saw Zaza hit uh, Schumpert in the nuts, I was like, oh my god, this again! Like, if Zaza gets suspended, then you know, I mean, not like he's a, a huge game changer, but I, I thought he was pretty good on, with keeping uh, Tristan Thompson off the glass for throughout the series and. You know, losing him for a game might have hurt us, but, you know, on to game five, Tristan Thompson was effective early, but I, I think he ended up putting out another, like another 20-minute game where he got a couple boards and, you know, pounded the offensive class in the beginning and got some putbacks, but in the end, he, he was pretty ineffective. In the overall series, yeah, um, but I think it's just because he just caught on too late, like he had... Was it game four? He had a good game. I guess the first three games he was terrible. Um, yeah. But it was really like four and five he started playing better. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he just wasn't good. And like you were saying, that but credit Zaza for keeping him off the glass like early. Like you could tell that was a game plan. Yeah. Yeah, the $18 million man who torched us last year. You know, it, it's good to see that Kerr came back with a real with a real game plan for uh, to keep that guy off the glass. Because I thought he was one of the – one of the keys to them beating us last year. And I'm surprised that the Cavs didn't slow the game down and play. And I think we talked about this in the last episode, but, um, you know, they could have slowed the game down to give Kyrie, to give LeBron a little bit more rest and just jack up bad shots, but hope that Love and Tristan Thompson would crash the glass and, and get some putbacks, you know, just wear us down that way. 
you know, keep the game to just a you know a ninety point game, not not get into these shootouts where the Warriors drop one hundred thirty. Like, can you believe that they they scored about a, like one hundred thirty points or more in three out of the five games? Yeah, that's fucking nuts, man. It's it's, it's pretty crazy. But I mean, a lot of that also is just like the Cavs defense and and their transition D is just non-existent. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's another reason why they just weren't better than us. Their transition D was embarrassing. Yeah. Zero communication. Like, you know, and then we just, we were running off misses. Mm -hmm. So they can slow down the game all they want, walking the ball up. It would have bought a little extra rest. But if they missed the shot, we're running. Like, Mm -hmm. we were just running off misses all the time. So it's just. And makes. Yeah. I I remember. Yeah. yeah, I remember game five, Kyrie hit like an awesome three, and Kevin Kevin Durant just kind of kept on running and then got like a, a full court pass or an easy layup. It's just, you know, the transition defense wasn't good. And also their pick, you know, near the end, their pick and roll defense wasn't very good either. They were trying to trap, and you and I talked about this uh, during the game, you know, they were trying to trap Steph, and Steph was passing it out to, to Durant, uh, not to, well, to Durant, but also Draymond. And I think Draymond off the pick and roll is actually a better option in the sense that he can create with the ball. I think Kevin Durant is just, you know, off the pick and roll, he's more of a, either you know jack the three or finish at the rim i think draymond green is a better passer off the pick and roll you know he he draws the draws the defender out of the lane and is able to dish it off to the to the cutting iggy or sean livingston for that easy dunk i mean we must have seen that play i think three or four times in the second half yeah in in game five i think um you know the uh the repertoire started coming out and i liked um I like that we mixed up the mix, uh, mixed up the pick and roll uh, mm-hmm. a lot. So, like you were saying, getting Draymond involved, uh, we saw you know a ton of uh, Steph, KD pick and roll um, that we more than we've seen, and just trying to get Kyrie switched on him or like you know somebody else smaller. Uh, but like you were saying, that's the difference, right? Because if you do a Steph, KD pick and roll, um, really Steph is passing to KD, and KD's coming out of there looking for the advantage uh, height-wise, right? So he's usually probably going to have a smaller dude on him. While when you are doing a pick-and-roll with Draymond, the big has been instructed to trap Steph on the pick-and-roll. So when Tristan Thompson comes out, he's trapping Steph. That means that Draymond's free uh, as a release valve, and that means he gets the ball, and he's going two-on-one towards the rim with – you know, either Love or, you know, somebody else, whoever's guarding Iggy or Sean at that point, you just can't expect them to make a decision. You just have an advantage because you got to stick to KD and Clay in the, uh, on the three-point line. So right. it's just, there's no help you can give. So it's like two different things because you can go for something like that where you get lobs and dunks off of Dre's, uh, you know, getting in the lane, or you can get a Steph KD pick and roll that gives you the advantage where it's like Shumpert or like, R. Jeff or like whatever on KD or like Kyrie on KD and it's just like okay it's I mean this over. Is, yeah I mean what is this this is stupid yeah I, you know I'm surprised that that the Cavs didn't tell their guys to to not even challenge Draymond when he was coming out to pick and roll like you know stay back and guard the cutter because Draymond is not a very good finisher he he can't pull up very well he has an okay floater. But if you if you hold ground and wait until they're closer to the lane, you might be able to recover and you know disrupt the pass that goes to the cutter. I mean, I, I think that the guy, you know, whoever that whoever the last the final defender was, whether it was Love or uh, 
you know, Schumpert or whoever whoever would be back there. They actually came out and challenged Dre a little bit too far, I thought. Uh, I'm mean, that that's partly. I mean, I I remember Love doing it a lot, and Love is you know not a very good defender. He's not very smart on defense, and he doesn't move very well. So, um, you know, it may, maybe it just seemed exaggerated by you know with how much space the cutter had when he received the pass and dunked it. Uh, but this really reminded me of two years ago. I mean, we torched them on that on that pick and roll with Draymond Green, and, and then either a kick out to the corners for a three or a or a pass to the cutter for a layup. I, I'm just surprised that the Cavs, after playing you know fairly decent pick and roll defense uh, throughout the series, uh, you know re- resorted uh, reverted back to you know have their bad habits from before. I mean, what do you really have an answer for there, really? You know, I mean, they don't have – it's the thing. It's like they their defense can be okay, but at the end of the day, I just don't think they have the right personnel that are smart enough, you know, to read defenses. LeBron literally tries like 25% of the time on defense. Like he has to rest. Yeah. There's so yeah. many plays where he just stands around. Yeah. Like it's just – it's actually crazy. Like, if KD's not doing anything to him, like, you know, he, he's just standing there. All this, like, free-roaming defense everyone says he's plays, and maybe I just didn't see it. He didn't do anything. Yeah, I just he feel was like exhausted. He didn't, yeah, he had no impact on the defensive end. So it's like, when if LeBron is not doing that and is committing stupid fouls, who do you really have defensively? Like, Schumpert, maybe? Like, he brought some good intensity. Um, yeah, he played three minutes in that final game, by the way. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't shoot. That's why. Yeah. yeah. The offense. And that's the problem with the Cavs roster. Too many one-dimensional guys. Kyle Korver, you leave him on the court for too long. I mean, defense is, you know, not good, but he can make threes, but vice versa with Shumpert. Good defense, but can't shoot to save his life. You know, so, like, this is the kind of stuff that, and I, I like what the Warriors did uh, just mixing things up. Giving them something different to look at every time. So, running all the time, but when you're in the half court, mix up the looks. Even just mixing up the uh, the guys. And I I like what Steve Kerr did, and I think, I don't know if it's uh, just learning from last year, but remember in Game 5 when Zaza picked up those quick fouls in the third? Yeah. Early third. Yanked him. Yanked him. And then you and I were texting, we were screaming at each other, like, dude, take him out. This is Game 5. This is our Game 7 right now. Like, put your best best seven guys in, you know? So just shorten the rotation. Like you should pay, you should play literally, you know, the death lineup plus Sean. Like that's it. Don't play anybody else. It's like yeah. there's no rest, there's nothing. Just ride these guys to the end. And I'm glad Kerr did that because that's what you got to do in closeout games. Yeah. You know, and that he made that mistake last year in Game Seven, playing yeah, Andy playing and playing, yeah, and fest playing Fest, yeah. And it's just like you can't do that anymore. It's a closeout game. Go for it and just go for the win. You know, play your best and, and guys. I, play your best guys and play your best system. I think he committed to that small ball. And I like the, the 10 minutes that McCall gave us, man. I mean, that's that's a rookie out there. Who, but he fits the bill for your small, you know, what made the Warriors dominant. Long, quick, decent playmaker. I mean, I, I still thought he was a little tentative. Would have liked it to see him shoot some of those threes. But, man, he was good. And he was, you know, when he made – Faced up with Kyrie a couple times. He, uh, I remember at one play, he got his ankles completely broken. But the second time, he stayed with him, and Kyrie lost it out of bounds. I mean, this this was at a pretty critical point in the game where the Warriors were only up by you know single digits in the third quarter. 
I I love I love the fact that McCall got playing time, and I think that that really shows you you know how good and how much confidence this uh, this Warriors organization has in him. Yeah, and it didn't help really. Which other wing guy do you have? You know, the other option we had was was uh, Jan Clark, and yeah. Ian just was getting killed, and they were picking on him every time he was on the floor on defense. So it became apparent that he just couldn't play anymore. You know, and who else you got? And I like, and I agree. I like that Kerr went to uh, McCaw and he delivered. Like he, mm-hmm. we don't need anything flashy from him. We just need him to play good defense, take shots when it's there, and then like you know, cut to the rim and get layups. Like yeah. that's all we need, and that's what he did. That's why it's like it's crazy. This guy's twenty one and a rookie and not phased at all. Yeah, a couple other storylines from Game Five. I mean, Kevin Durant, unstoppable. I mean, I he shot what like. 12 of 16. I mean, I feel like the, the whole NBA Finals, he only had maybe one game where he was shooting under 50%. He averaged 30, I forget how much, 33, 34 points a game. I mean, for all the praise that, you know, LeBron gets as a player, I mean, you would have you would have liked to see him hold Durant to a little, you know, a little bit less. But, I mean, really, it's you can't blame LeBron for yeah, but he's already had to put his team on his back for for offense. Yeah, I mean, you're you're asking too much from a 32 year old LeBron. I just don't think that's gonna happen. Like at 26, 27, I think he would have took it personally. Like if it was the you know Miami Heat LeBron, I think he would have took it personally and been like, hey, look, I'm gonna like bust my ass on both ends. But I mean, he just can't do that anymore. It just at 32, it's just like, you know, on one end of the floor, he has to play, he has to do so much that he has to save energy. Otherwise, he's not going to have an impact, even on the offensive end. So it's like, it's just very difficult for him. But, I mean, this is what I we, we had talked about in the beginning of the series. What do they really have to stop Durant? There's only a handful of guys who can kind of slow him down. Yeah, one one's uh, on our team, and the other guy broke his ankle. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, you have guys like you know, I think guys like you know Paul George, and you know yeah. maybe uh, you know a couple other wing defenders will have you know the length and, and quickness a little bit to kind of at least hinder KD a little. But uh, a 32 year old LeBron having to do so much on offense, like you can't count on that. Like yeah. so, it was very apparent that they were not going to have an answer right from the get go for Kevin Durant because it's like. Yeah. You go down the roster, they have nobody. It's just like that's what Dante we're talking about Jones. Dante Jones. You need somebody injured? Call the hitman. <laughs> Dude, I forgot that Derek Williams was on that team too. It's just another guy that uh, they just picked up a former like lottery pick. Was supposed to be good. Just yeah. I like how yeah. they have to specify which D Will it is. Like which <laughs> which D Will corpse is actually playing. <laughs> like there's two D Wills and. I can't determine which one's worse. Like, it's just, it's very difficult to figure out, like, if it's Darren or Derek that's bad. That's the worst player on the team. Like, Darren Williams. There was uh, somebody, somebody looked at something, somebody was uh, on the NBA subreddit was posting about how if Darren Williams scores, they win games. If he doesn't score, then the Cavs don't win. And that held true in the fight. X Factor. X yeah. Factor. <laughs> he just Williams. needs to score one point. <laughs> but then yeah. have a shot at winning. If he doesn't score, they never win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I mean, Darren Williams. Game four, I 
everybody thought that the Warriors were still in it until Deron Williams hit that three, and we're like, all right, all right, back it up, game's over. Yeah, uh, so, <laughs> let's yeah. close it out at Oracle. Yeah, like exactly. Deron Williams made a it's shot. Like, oh my god, dude! The guy, you know, five six years ago was, you know, you would say his name in the same sentence with Chris Paul every time there's a debate about who's the best point guard in the NBA. It was always Deron Williams or Chris Paul, and man, like how far has Deron Williams fallen off? I wonder when when did that happen? Was it like which injury was it that really made him fall off? Like I have to go back and look, but I think it was like on the Nets, right? Pretty much after he yeah, got Paul. I, I mean, I remember after he got traded to the Nets, he was already kind of bad there. And yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it happened on the Nets. The decline like started when he made it to the Nets, and then. Uh, and the Mavs last year, obviously, and you know, just horrific. And this year, um, you know, half of it on the Mavs also. And then, yeah, it's just yeah, bad news. And he had that huge contract too on the Nets. It was yeah. Well, everybody had a huge contract. I mean, Mikhail Bekerov still paying all those guys. Yeah. By the way, speaking of super teams, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier. Deron Williams, Joe Johnson, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Brooke, Brooke Lopez. That. Like, from a talent standpoint alone, I thought that was probably one of the most talented starting fives I've, I'd ever seen. I mean, all those guys are kind of on a decline in their careers at that point. Uh, Garnett, for sure. But, man. Pierce that, also? Yeah, Pierce also, I guess. Yeah. Joe um, Johnson, at that point, was already, like, in his 30s. It's yeah. not exactly was like, you know. And Darren was coming off his freaking injuries, injuries. and, like, already yeah. declining. Like, yeah. if that lineup happened three years before it it actually got comprised, then yes, you, you have a legit case that that was a super dangerous team. And that's where it's like, okay, you got these guys three years too late. Now this team's not going to do anything. And you're going to be paying them, you know, $200 million. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's let's get back on track here. Uh, well, one other thing about Game 5 that I, w- I did want to point out was Clay's defense. I thought Clay Thompson's defense was spectacular. He, he got switched on to all three of their big threes at some point and, you know, was, was awesome. I mean, he, he was able to challenge, uh, you know, Kyrie shots. He was able to hold his own. And, you know, when Kevin Love was trying to post him and LeBron, you know, even when he faced off LeBron, he, he was able to kind of keep in front of him and use his length to challenge, challenge LeBron's, you know, uh, layups to, to some extent where LeBron wasn't, you know, just walking all over him. I mean, LeBron still probably made, you know, half of his shots over Clay, but still, I, I feel like he was, Clay was still doing better than anybody else was doing on LeBron. Oh, yeah, for sure. Clay was, you know, probably our, our best, like, overall defender, like, game to game in the series. Like, Draymond has to play a lot of free safety, and then they, you know, that ended up, you know, getting him in foul trouble for a couple games, so that hurt us. Um, but Clay, from a game-to-game standpoint, playing defense and not fouling, like, oh, man, he is, in my book, a top-three wing defender in the NBA. Like, he can straight lock people down, dude. Yeah. Well, before we get into our feelings about the uh, about the Warriors winning, let, let's talk a little about the Cavs. Most, most importantly, just LeBron James's legacy. Do, do you think his loss is – this loss in five really taints his legacy, or do you think... Yeah, I mean, this is stupid, again. This is another stupid, like, you know, hot take topic that people like to talk about. No! Of, what the, of course it doesn't taint his legacy. I don't understand how, again, how you can make that assessment. 
like, yeah. dude, the guy is still from like an overall like being able to control the game standpoint, the best player in the NBA. Like, it's just like, I, how many years is it now? Like, he came up against an absolute juggernaut in the Warriors. Like, I don't know what mm-hmm. he wanted to do. He didn't have the right people to beat the Warriors. Yeah. It's just like plain and simple. Like, yeah. I got to say, LeBron as a player is, you know, you can't say anything about it. I, I think the real thing that kind of taints his legacy is his whole passive-aggressive, his playing GM sort of thing. You know, some of his comments that he makes. Like, did you see, like, after the game, he's like, yeah, I've never played on a super team. It's like, dude, come on. You, like, well, that one was, that one's just yeah. stupid. That one's yeah. just like, okay. Yeah, I've never like, been on a shooting. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You teamed up with you know one of the, the one of the top two you know guards in the league at the time, and then one of the top three power forwards in the league at that time. I mean, yeah, that's... you had three top fifteen players on your team. Like, yeah. how is that not a super team? Like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Like, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we, yeah, we don't need to get into that. But the, LeBron as a player, I, I don't think there's much to to debate about i mean for what he did how he single-handedly carried these calves on you know on on offense and really what he did last year i think is really the the real stamp on his legacy you know, yeah that's all down three one with uh with a crappier roster um and he put just played out of his mind games five six seven and then there's there's that block so let, let's talk about the warriors let's take a pr- deep breath the season's over Warriors win 4-1. What are your final thoughts as a whole on the series? And what, do you think the Warriors redeemed themselves from last year? I mean, I wouldn't say redeem. Um, I mean, I think when you sign Kevin Durant, it's you're the heavy favorite to win. So it's like... When we when we were if we, when we were able to sign KD, that right there was like your quote unquote redemption. I felt like because that was going to give us the best shot to win the finals, and we did it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's a different feeling than when we wanted two years ago. Yeah, uh, I think for us to just you know that first one in our lifetimes, I think is always going to be more special. So yeah, I. I feel like it's a big sigh of relief. I feel like we took care of business. I don't think – I'm not as moved as I was two years ago. Yeah. That's, that's for damn sure. Um, and I – two days you – know, now that it's two days after the Warriors have won the NBA Finals, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think – and I think a lot of Warrior fans are going to hate me for this, but I'm not really that happy for the organization. Like – I don't feel elated. I feel like we're, you know, we're just a superpower that just took care of business and we didn't disappoint. I'm happy for individuals. You know, I'm really happy for Kevin Durant because he came over here, he got his ring, and he's, you know, let's face it, he's the reason why we won. I'm happy for Steph for, you know, kind of, you know, playing better than he did last year in the NBA Finals and having that final big shot, like that big, you know, fuck you shot where you crossed over Kyrie a couple times and hit this ridiculous three-pointer from the wing. Uh, happy for a guy like JaVale McGee, who, you know, I I think will always be, you know, known as the, the Shaq and the Fool guy. But I think to some extent he's he is going to be taken a little more seriously now because he did show what he could do when he plays for a real legit team. Happy for Steve Kerr. Happy for Mike Brown. 
I'm happy for individual players, but I'm not that happy for this team. I, I think the fact that we came in with you know these ex- expectations, we weren't really hurt, and I think it's kind of the you know the drama also, like going up three zero in a series, it, it kind of takes the <laughs> the air out of the balloon. I think you're just like okay, I mean we're it's it's only a matter of time before we win. You know, granted, we did lose one, and it turned into a 3-1 series, so we were a little nervous. But it, there just was no, there was just no drama, no excitement. It was just, it was just all business. And yeah, now I'm just, you know, I kind of sit here and I'm just like, like I, I almost wish that it, things were a little bit harder for us. But that being said, Cleveland had a better team than they did last year. I think. Our team last year would have lost to this Cleveland team in six for sure. Like they, they, they. I thought last year's team just wasn't wasn't as talented. Didn't you know? Won on sheer individual talent of LeBron and Kyrie. But I think this year's team actually played a played a little bit better. It's tough because getting KD, it like there's so many perception things and expectations when you sign him. You know, like you were saying, like. As soon as we signed him, this is like it was our championship to lose, basically. And then we, you know, dominated. We went through. Um, but you know, honestly, I still think you know the Warriors front office. I mean, they did everything they can to try to improve the team. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Despite all that, so I mean, I'm still happy for the organization in that sense. You know, mm. because it's like, hey, look, they did everything they within did the their job. right. Yeah, and then they went mm. and got KD. And it's just like, hey, look, nobody told you, like, the NBA Players Association yeah, wanted you know, that money, which they is, wanted which the is money. stupid. Yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, the NBA warned you about the cap spike. They wanted to smooth out the, you know, the gains each year. And the Players Association said no. It's like, okay, then even the best team in the league will have max cap space. So what do you want them to do? Like, what do you want Durant to do? Like, you know, he now has – the option of going to all 30 teams. But if it was just the caps moving, that would have been like basically his choices would have been eliminated. Limited. Yeah. yeah. Down to like five or six teams. Yeah. So yeah. if that was the case, there was a high chance he was going to resign with OKC, you know? Right. And it's just like, it's very hard. And like, we did everything we can and we played within the rules just like everybody else. So it's like, I still think the Warriors organizations have been doing a great job, you know, yeah. and I think it's yeah. You, and, I mean, you you can't hate the organizations. I mean, they didn't take advantage of any system, right? I mean, they they didn't cheat the system. The the, yeah. the system was given to them. The players wanted to take the money, spike the cap up, and let's face it, the Warriors, you know, they drafted well. You know, they 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 gambled on Steph Curry. You know, eleven million dollars a year at that time when Steph had no ankles. Was, was a, gamble. a gamble, yeah. And the only player that I can think of right now that kind of took less money to play with us is David West. I mean, think about Sean Livingston, JaVale McGee. Both of these guys were, you know, their careers were kind of a question mark, but we still gave them, gave them chances. So yeah. y- you're right. I mean, the, the front office by no means cheated. You know, we they, they, they did their job. They took the opportunity. Durant signed with us, and we took care of business. I, I think just you know as a warrior fan who's you know struggled all these years it's it's still kind of hard to to you know feel like 
it's our championship to lose. I think it's it's just one of those like ah like I, I still gotta get used to this. I'm not trying to get hung up on any of this. Like I'm I'm just trying to be like, hey, look, this is every a lot of teams have this, or this is the beginning of like an incredible stretch. Like you know, think of the Lakers in the 2000s. You know, three with Shaq and Kobe, and two more with Kobe and Powell. This kind of run would be incredible and unprecedented, and it's just like. For us, like we're moving into that kind of an era, two and three years when we had a legit chance to three-peat. I just, you know, you got to enjoy it while you can because it's like, look, what's going to happen in, you know, five, six years? Or even in the short term, what's going to happen in three years when Clay's contract is up? Like these are all difficult questions. Yeah. It's like these are all very hard questions to ask. Like how much tax do you want to pay? Like does the front office make some tough decisions about trading the players away? Like it's just – like enjoy it while you can because something like this, like our domination is not going to last forever. It's probably, yeah. I mean, it's going to be the next two, three years at least for sure. But past that, it's hard to say. People are going to start declining and other teams are coming up and we start losing guys and things change. And then at that time, you know, we're back down to being, you know, just a playoff team again. Then it's like when you wish that you want to be back in the finals. Like for me, it's just like for so many bad years, you know, now that we have a chance where we can really do make our mark in history, it's like I'm not gonna be sorry. I'm not gonna like you know try to get hung up on anything else. It's like I'm just gonna enjoy the moment. You know, it's like us as Warrior fans. I mean, this is the best time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just a little drained, and uh, you know, maybe it'll hit me in a in a little bit. But one final thought, um, and you and I talked about this also, that the Kevin Durant commercial. Uh, that that was aired right after the Warriors won. I I I thought it was ridiculous. I thought that you know the the commercial completely missed the point about Kevin Durant. Like they they made it seem like Kevin Durant was this you know underrated player who always faced adversity. You know like somebody who was drafted you know late in late in the second round that nobody believed in. And then finally he climbed to the top. I mean, that it was the, they made it seem like it was some kind of underdog story. Yeah, right? no, exactly. Dude, the guy was drafted number two overall, was a fucking scoring freak in Texas, came into the league, was dropping, you know, 20 per game since, you know, for the past eight years or however long he's been here. Like, there has never been any question about his talent or his leadership. I mean, the dude's already won an MVP before. I mean, really, if you're gonna make a if you're gonna make a commercial, make a commercial about him being criticized for you know for joining the Warriors, you know, and then just show him at the end being like, "Fuck you, I got I got a ring. What do you have?" Or the something other, like that. Yeah, or or uh, what they really should show is basically uh, they should just show clips of. Uh, Russell Westbrook taking ridiculous shots and Katie throwing his arms <laughs> that would be that would be the best. Where it's just like Katie's like, there's so many clips of that where he's clapping for the ball and Russ is like dribbling the air out of the ball and takes a contested three pointer and it's an air ball and then Katie's just like walking back with his head down and it's just like, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to play with that anymore. You know, it's like that's what they should show with the commercial and then they should cut to like us moving the ball. And getting KD dunks in transition. 
All right. Anyway, it was good. Uh, good talking to you. Uh, I think we're gonna have a couple more uh, episodes just throughout the summer to talk drafts, to talk personnel moves. But hey, it was great to great to have you on, especially throughout these finals, as as kind of winded and as you know unenthusiastic as I sound. It still is a great win. It's still a great time to be a Warrior fan. So thanks to all the listeners out there. Go Warriors. Go Dubs. Talk to you guys soon. Take care, everybody.